like a fetish club for your ears. Grab a hot drink and turn down the lights. Coming across the airwaves and into bedrooms everywhere, BDSM United is bringing you non-violent, consensual kink education. This isn't for the kiddos or for the cookie-cutter conservative vanilla prunes. We'll be talking bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, sadomasochism, and more today on this BDSM United podcast. Primal Piggy here with a podcast titled, Is BDSM Biblical? And by biblical, we're not going to look so much at like Judaism, but we'll look more from like the context of Christianity. Because oftentimes Christianity asks that question. Uh, People ask, is this biblical? Is that biblical? Because a lot of times they're trying to incorporate uh, the Bible into every area of their life. They're trying to uh, bring it into their politics. They're trying to bring the Bible into their relationships and, 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 and all different things, into their parenting and, and into their family life, into their worship, all those different types of things. Uh, I'm uniquely qualified to speak on this topic because I have a university degree in biblical theology. And just so you know, I'm not really biased because I am no longer a Christian. Um, I'm not really religious. Uh, I don't really have a real strong religious and or really too much of a spiritual uh, thing about me other than I believe that uh, in some spiritual aspects of BDSM and in what we call sex magic, but that's really just kind of like energy, uh, energy work that's like uh, not so much a cult as it is, is like uh, harnessing uh, my energy and my submissive's energy and, and manipulating it and using it in scenes in order to uh, uh, focus some intention and uh, kind of just put some, uh, kind of strengthen our bond, strengthen our connection and strengthen our relationship, utilizing BDSM, not really in a therapeutic way, but like I said, more of a spiritual kind of way or a sacred kind of way. And so that being said, uh, so I have this university degree in theology and with an emphasis in biblical theology. And so uh, I'm not going to quote a whole bunch of Bible verses to you. I'm going to give more of a uh, of a biblical theology, which a biblical theology would be like a broad theology, like a like an encompassing view of of a few things that will help us answer that question without having to quote all kinds of verses and and chapters of verses and things, uh, which isn't entirely helpful, anyways, because uh, this is just my interpretation and really. Uh, every any biblical scholar knows that uh, the original text was not written in chapters and verses, and it was written uh, as more of a whole, uh, and it was written, you know, as like whole books or whole, uh, you know, whole writings. Uh, it wasn't really meant to be divided up like that. Not uh, that intention wasn't there in the original, and so. It is helpful. They did find it helpful in around the 1500s to to add those things to help people study the scriptures for themselves. And so, in a 
Bible study context, maybe chapters and verses help. But when we're trying to just gather an idea, we don't want to just, uh, you know, put this line out of this context says this, and this line out of that context says that. It's not really going to be helpful to us. So those are a little pre- few preliminary things uh, that are probably important. And that just kind of gives you a little background of how I'm going to answer this question. And I'll go ahead and, and tell you what my answer to the question is. And then, and then we'll break it down because I'm not going to string you along and uh, uh, throughout the whole thing. So my answer to the question of is BDSM biblical? Well, yes and no. Yes and no. <laughs> so, you know, let me further unpack that. And so um, let's deal with the yes a little bit first, and then I'll deal with the no afterwards. Um, by the way, I'm Primal Piggy. You can find me on Facebook at The Primal Piggy. I'm also an admin at a Facebook page, a very large Facebook page called Whips, Chains, and Duct Tape. You can find that on Facebook at WCDT BDSM. Uh, if you're there, be sure to sign up or apply to join our private uh, Facebook group, which is called BDSM Education Group. It's about 1,200 people who are all uh, learning in a private safe space about incorporating BDSM into their relationships, into uh, into forming relationship dynamics, and then, you know, somewhat as well on how to uh, traditionally practice kink in an S&M sense. And, um, you can find uh, all of our resources and more at our website, www.bdsmunited.com. So let's, uh, I am going to crack open the Bible for this one. Uh, so um, if we're going to ask if something is biblical, then what we're really kind of asking is, um, how would God in the Christian or in the biblical sense, how would God... Uh, you know, is it within the character of God? Is it fa- is BDSM found within the character and nature of God? That's really going to be, or the biblical, the the Bible's, uh, is it within the Bible's uh, description of the character and the nature of God? And so, in the in this sense, yes, yes, it is. What we see and what is not often popular to say is that God the Father is a sadist, and his son, Jesus, who Christians also believe is God, is a masochist. So we see uh, that, and we see somewhat of a power exchange relationship, and we, we see it in, uh, in the relationship between Jesus and his church, where he is the head of his church. We see this reflected in some uh, BDSM-ish uh, power exchange practices called uh, domestic discipline, where they, a lot of times they borrow from, they're not exactly BDSM, but they borrow some power exchange stuff from BDSM, and also they borrow it from the Bible. And we'll get more into that in the second part, in the no part as well, because while they borrow from the Bible, there's also some uh, you know, important things about BDSM that separate domestic discipline from BDSM. So in 
the yes sense back to it. Um, we, we know that God is a sadist, and we know that Jesus is a masochist, and uh, we know that there is a power exchange relationship between the Father and the Son, and also uh, for, between the Son and His church, which Jesus is the head of the church. And so Jesus is a sadomasochist somewhat, and Jesus is also a dominant, and the church is a slave unto Christ, so a submissive slave would be the church. That's the description from the Bible. Um, we, you're probably wondering, how am I even coming to this conclusion? Where in the Bible would it even say that that God is a masochist, or is a, sorry, that God is a sadist and Jesus is a masochist? Well, I'm glad you asked that question, because I will crack open the Bible to a piece of Bible prophecy that is widely accepted as uh, the foretelling of Jesus coming into the earth, the Old Testament foretelling or Old Testament prophetic view of who Jesus will be to the church. And that's found in Isaiah 53. And so, like I said, it may some people may not uh, feel that this is talking about Jesus, but it is widely accepted in Christian theology that Isaiah 53 is a picture of the relationship between God the Father and Jesus, his Son, who is also God, who and and hit and how he uh, is treated by God uh, when he comes to earth and he willingly lays down his life to die for the sins of his church. And so Isaiah 53, reading from the English Standard Version, it's one that I, I like, it's one that I used when I was a theologian, and uh, is speaking here of, of Jesus, and it's saying, uh, uh, right from the, uh, <laughs> uh, let's, we'll start here with, uh, uh, with the second verse here, for he grew up like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was just an everyday man, in other words. And furthermore, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. So Jesus wasn't really, uh, at least at first, was not, uh, in in the biblical story, was not anyone, he was just a carpenter's kid. He wasn't anyone that, he wasn't born to royalty in that sense. And then it gets into a very sadomasochistic scene here, because it talks about how uh, the death of Jesus by God, and it says, surely, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. And this would be pierced by God for our transgressions, he was crushed by God for our iniquities, and upon him 
was the chastisement that brought us peace. So he, he was punished by God for the sins of the world that Christians believe brought them peace. And, and with his wounds, we are healed. That's a big verse there. And with the wounds of Jesus brought on by God, the Father, we are healed, Christians believe. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And we're saying this, the Lord, the Lord God, the Father has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. It says here in verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord God to crush Jesus, to crush him, crush Jesus. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days, and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied, and his knowledge shall be the righteous one, my servant, and make to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. We'll just kind of stop there. That was from verse like 2 to verse 11 in Isaiah 53. And it's this Old Testament, Old Testament prophecy. Like I said, it's widely accepted by Christians that this Old Testament prophecy is foretelling uh, Jesus. And then Jesus in the temple reads this and says, this is about me. And so uh, in Christian theology, uh, they believe that God, that Jesus was born of a virgin, born of God, not from the seed of a woman, or not by the seed of a man, but the seed of a woman, <coughs> and that he was a miraculous birth, and that he willingly... Uh, he came to earth, he was sent by God, and he was God, and he willingly came to earth uh, to, uh, to save people from their sins. He willingly, uh, he, they called him the Lamb of God. He willingly laid down his life. He knew, you know, supposedly knew that all of this was going to happen, and he came anyways. Uh, he knew that God the Father, this sadist, was going to uh, smitten him and afflict him and pierce him and crush him. And he, uh, it says that he willingly did that. He willingly laid down his life, and he, uh, he did it, uh, uh, you know, that God enjoyed doing it. God the Father enjoyed doing it, and the Son enjoyed having it done to him. Uh, and it says that, you know, for their joy and that they, uh, they, uh, they did this, uh, grand thing to save people from their sins. 
so that they could go to heaven. <laughs> and that's the somewhat of a the story of the cross. And if you can if you're into BDSM, you can see that you know, if God God the Father is smiting, then that's a, the act of a sadist for his pleasure. He's uh because you know, really the story is is that God uh killed himself, Jesus killed himself to save people from himself. He really could have done that any way that he had wanted to, but he chose to uh, send himself down and kill himself and torture himself and and beat himself with uh, with a whip or with a, cast, a cat of nine tails and and nail himself to a cross and tor- you know, which was a uh, a form of torture. and so he he, he chose that, <laughs> and so that is the ultimate act of a sadist, uh, God, God smiting and afflicting and piercing and crushing. And uh, anyone who would willingly go into that, no, or, you know, would come and be willing to go through that is the ultimate masochist. And so what we see there is, yes, in one sense, within the character and the nature of the Christian God, we see sadism and masochism. We see a, uh, you know, we see a picture of S and M. Furthermore, uh, uh, later in the Bible, it talks about Jesus being the head of the church, and uh, you can look at the Song of Solomon for for that, where uh, it is a picture. It's a the Song of Solomon is a uh, oftentimes it is a romantic. Uh, allegory. It's a romantic uh, piece of poet, poetic literature, and it tells the story of. Uh, I wrote a thesis in university about this. It, it tells the story of Jesus and his church, and Jesus being the lover of his church, and also being the head of his church. And uh, Jesus is the master of his church. And Paul says, "I am a bond servant to Christ." And Paul speaking in. in in the place of the church is saying we are slaves unto Christ. And so there is a power exchange within the character and nature of Jesus, of the resurrected Jesus, sorry. Uh, before the resurrection, he was very much a uh, masochist. And, and then when he supposedly ro- rose from the dead, now he is a dominant master. And uh, they call him Lord, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. And, uh, and we, his church, are bond servants. We are consensual slaves to Jesus, and so we, there is a power exchange relationship seen within the relationship between Jesus and Christians. And so we can very much see. So, in the one sense, is BDSM biblical? Well, we see a picture of S and M, and we also see a picture of of uh, of B and D bondage and discipline, where we are where we take up our crosses and, and follow Jesus. We bind ourselves to Jesus. We're, we're bond servants. We, we're bound to him as slaves. So we see that bondage and that discipline, that we see that structure and that protocols, and we see all those things within uh, the character and nature of Jesus. So in the yes sense, there's that. In the no sense, uh, you know, switching gears here in the no sense, 
there is a form of somewhat power exchange type relationships uh, where it's somewhat of like a head of household. They call it domestic discipline. Uh, It is uh, some power exchanges, oftentimes somewhat vanilla. Uh, There may be some kink involved, but it's between a husband and a wife. And uh, it's somewhat patriarchal. And, uh, and so in that sense, they, they're somewhat like BDSM, where, where there's a power exchange. They borrow from that, but they also pull from biblical verses to establish it. And the reason that BDSM is not biblical because, is because there's a hallmark of BDSM called consent. And uh, within the biblical framework... Um, uh, women are not born into consent. There is no consent. Um, within the biblical framework, um, women are born without the ability to consent. Uh, they never own themselves. Uh, when Before they're married, the father has like an ownership, has a power exchange ownership over his daughters. And... Uh, and then uh, pays for a man to take his daughter in marriage and uh, and then therefore transfers ownership to the husband. And, you know, and then the woman is without rights. She it clings or cleaves to, leaves the father and mother and cleaves to the husband. And they are, they are one flesh. But she takes his name, uh, and she is therefore owned by him, and so there is no, uh, there really is no consent there, or no framework of even consent. And within BDSM, consent is a really big issue. Uh, we anyone who enters into a power exchange relationship does so by consent, and really we see that this whole uh, framework of Jesus dying for the church is that um, outside of um, outside of that relationship with Jesus, they believe that God totally rejects you and that you will burn for all eternity and you will, you know, all these bad things will happen to you. And so really there, you know, G, uh, a relationship with Jesus is the default and the only choice that you have. And therefore you really don't have consent and then there are issues like election, uh, where uh, um, where you know people feel uh, that they are um, what's the word that they are predisposed uh, that there are certain people that are created or predisposed to be saved and others are predisposed to be lost and uh, so there's there really is a question of whether men are predestined or whether they have free will. And really there's, you know, that's kind of up in the air in Christian theology. There is a divide between that. But so in, in one sense, we do see some, some aspects of BDSM. But in a second sense, no, we don't really see it because um, the, the question of consent is really, uh, is really up in the air. There's not a real clear... Uh, thing about there's not a real clear answer as to whether or not um you you're really giving somebody or anyone is really in that relationship by consent or in that power exchange 
relationship through their own consent or their own free will. And so that, that's my best, uh, my best, the best that I can do as a biblical theologian and a practitioner and BDSM educator. That's the best answer I can really kind of give you as an overall picture of, yes, BDSM in one sense is biblical, but in the other sense, no, BDSM is not biblical because we really value nonviolent consensual BDSM, and really we don't really find um, a clear, uh, uh, we don't really find it clearly that uh, we're entering into uh, a relationship uh, or a power exchange relationship, or at least everyone doesn't have, within the biblical sense, everyone doesn't have the ability to enter into consensual power exchange relationships. And as far as humans are concerned, the Bible, you know, for the most part, only affords men and women, one man and one woman, to come together and be in a power exchange relationship. It really doesn't afford a power exchange relationship for multiple people or for uh, for homosexuals or any of those kinds of things. You know, it, it if it does, it's you know we we got to kind of bend and twist the uh, the Bible. I will say this: the Bible's not the the Bible's not the greatest book. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't recommend it, especially because of the uh, the fact that it's not clear on consent. And so, I wouldn't recommend that you try to draw from the Bible informing uh, informing BDSM or informing uh, your relationships. I would look elsewhere for um, for relationship advice. Uh, I would look maybe into yoga or something like that. Into more the uh, more of the uh, uh, Hindu uh, uh, aspects of uh, spirituality, possibly, uh, maybe into the occult. Uh, you know, I, there's a lot of ways you could go. Um, I did show in a previously previous podcast that BDSM is more Satanist than it is Christian, but you know, we, you know, or in some ways that it is similar to. Satanism or modern day Satanism, and so you know, there's a lot of different things, and we may I may look in future podcasts at some of these other religions, uh, just from what I know about them. But uh, uh, my name is Primal Piggy. Again, you can find me on Facebook at the Primal Piggy, all one word, or at Whips, Chains, and Duct Tape at WCDT BDSM. Check out some of our other podcasts and. Uh, subscribe on your favorite platform. Thank you very much.